All right, welcome everyone to another episode of Behind a Human. I'm your host, Mark Champagne. And it's my job to unpack the stories and mental fitness practices of people living at the top of their game, personally and professionally. Today, we've got a real treat. We've got Roderick from Spin. He's a serial entrepreneur, founder, and CEO of Spin, and so much more. I can't wait to jump into all things entrepreneurship, coffee, rituals, mental fitness, and everything in between. So welcome to the show, brother. Thanks, Mark, for having me. Great to be here. So let's, before we get in, I mean, there's a, there's a many threads I can pull in, in your journey. You've, you've had, um, you know, a, a wide range of experience, I'd say, from the corporate world, from the Microsoft days to, uh, is it Limo? Is that how you say that? Limo syrup? Yeah, Limo, yeah. That's Limo? It. Limo syrup to, to spin, obviously. Um, but before we get into all of those details, I'd like to just kind of strip away the titles and just get into, like, like who are you today? How would you define you as a, as a person as we sit here today? Yeah, thanks, uh, Mark. Well, still figuring it, figuring it out. <laughs> that is the honest answer. I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I appreciate you starting with that. <laughs> yeah. No, you know, a lot of what I do on a daily is obviously work-related. So you always yeah. kind of fall back on, yeah, this is what I do, and this is what defines me. But, you know, in the end, I'm, uh, I, I'm a Dutch guy that came with an idea to America, uh, <laughs> driven by innovation and to disrupting, trying to disrupt things and do some, something new in the coffee industry. And, um, you know, the, the, the backstory uh, is, is long, but in a nutshell, you know, we had an idea, me and my business partner, and um, we kind of shaped it into a product that is now out in, the, in, the, in a lot of households in the United States, people drinking our coffee on a daily, and we built this brand Spin. So for the last, uh, is it eight years already? I've been working yeah, on Yeah, I think so. Yeah, on this venture. Uh, trying to build a brand, trying to build a company that uh, you know gets uh, great products out and uh, delights the customer. Yeah, and um, yeah, as as one of those people, there's yeah. a lot of delight over here, so I can attest <laughs> to that for all well, listeners. You know, I, I'm very interested in hearing what you think about the product and and whether you yeah. like it, of course, because that's what we do it all for. Yeah. You know, to delight the customer and and bring a product to market that uh, that is new and exciting and. And, uh, you know, has all these functionalities and technologies that uh, surprise people and, uh, and, and um, again, delight them with great coffee. That is not, yeah. not polluting the world also because we don't use pods, filters, or wasteful materials like mm -hmm. we know all the, the big companies that uh, need those uh, single serve plastics to make a cup of coffee. And it's obviously very uh, wasteful because yeah. you throw it away. And uh, we just use the fresh beans and... Do you like fresh pressed orange juice or from a can, Mark? Of course, fresh pressed. Well, but it's the same for coffee. <laughs> exactly. Fresh, fresh coffee and it, it just tastes better. And yeah. with, with this technology, we can make different styles of coffee in the same device. So we can make espresso, but also filter coffee, cold brew, Americanos. And, you know, that's, that's a little bit about the product. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to, we'll dive deep in that shortly because sure. I, I want to know, I mean, you said I'm, you know, I'm just a Dutch guy that came to America with an idea, but I'd say you're a Dutch guy that had many ideas, uh, you know, and have, you know, you just even working at Microsoft for seven or eight years, and then the whole uh, experience creating uh, Limo. Uh, like, where, what, what set all that up? Like, have you always? Because you could have kept, you were at Microsoft long enough that, that, that for sure could have blossomed into. Because I know how those those companies work in the corporate track. Like you were there long enough that you could have that could have been your career, and you would have been on the on the rocket ship of kind of like corporate go growth and whatnot. Yeah, but what pulled you off that? Well, you know, so so Dell was my real introduction into the IT or the tech world. So I I, I studied, studied psychology. Okay. So after I graduated, I kind of got into these uh, softer uh, jobs with uh, HR related within businesses and so forth. And uh, I got a job at Dell as a, as a salesperson and <clears throat> started selling uh, selling computers, you know, over the phone. Yeah. <laughs> <That's amazing. laughs> and I uh, got really good at it. So, uh, you know, grew up in the, in, in the, in the Dell 
culture, which is very hardcore selling, you know, over the, over the phone online. And this was in the, in the, in the time in 2004 and five, when Dell became the biggest uh, computer firm in the world, taking over from HP there was a lot of development in that space. <clears throat> and uh, we saw that selling software is actually also a very good way to uh, make bonuses. So yes, most things we're after. And, you know, we started selling all these, um, these deals uh, that also had a lot of uh, software in there from Oracle to CRM systems and also obviously Microsoft. And then at some point, Microsoft checked in with Dell. Said, hey, who is this team selling all this software for us? Because every quarter we get all these bluebirds flying in because obviously we were driving to, to do all these deals. And uh, that's when I uh, jumped ship from Dell to Microsoft. And I, you know, it's a completely different company, uh, hardware yeah. versus software and uh, a completely different culture, but very interesting to kind of uh, see both uh, sides of the spectrum, I would say. Sure. And eventually I stayed with Microsoft in five different jobs. And it was all in, in first in the Netherlands and later on in Europe, at least in Africa. And it was it was exciting. Was a, yeah. You know, mobile phones just came to the market. Mobile phones were already in the market, but uh, smartphones came out. So uh, my last role, I w- worked in the Windows Mobile. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, yeah I do remember that. Yeah. Unfortunately, not a big success for Microsoft because the iPhone came out. And when the mm-hmm. iPhone came out, the whole industry kind of moved into iphone and apple became the big player and then in parallel google also you know became very big with their search engine and microsoft went from this very dominant company into a more fragmented company and focusing on on enterprise obviously and you know still an amazing company to work for learned a lot traveled traveled the world and uh but eventually decided to uh, get into startups because the startup environment in Amsterdam, where I grew up, started developing. There were a bunch of startups out there that were very exciting, doing new stuff. And and you also saw that these bigger companies all had, became slow, and they had this yeah. innovative innovator dilemma, <clears throat> where you know the only way to really grow and do something new is to by acquiring companies. Okay, and most of those companies were startups and doing something new in, in software, especially Microsoft. I think they. You know, they they acquire over a hundred companies a year, smaller and bigger. You know, yeah, yeah, big teams uh, responsible for uh, for all those M and A deals. But you know, ventured out into startups and. Uh, but how did you make that decision? Like, what? Because I mean, those are those are big life moves, career moves. Was there some? And then you know, with your background in psychology, was there anything that helped you just kind of slow it down and get clear? Well, that's what you expect, yes, but no. <laughs> it was, it was uh, <laughs> you know, it was also all these, you know, you meet people and then all of a sudden you make decisions. You go, oh, this is interesting. And you follow your gut and you make, uh, you, you just, yeah, start for a startup. And it was okay. exciting. And it was, uh, you know, in the, in the center of, uh, of Amsterdam, around the Dam Square. And, <clears throat> you know, it was um, something new, I would say, because I, okay. When you work for Microsoft for so long, it's like you you you, you get uh, complacent, repetitive, and I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So I was looking for something new, but it wasn't a real kind of decision. Like, oh, I kind of analyze everything, and now I'm gonna make this decision. It was like at this that time in my life, I met the right people, and just boom, uh, all it of a sudden, right? Yeah, it was. It felt yeah. right. Yeah. And tell me a little bit about uh, Limo. How did that come well, up? Yeah, that's that's that. You you make it sound like very significant, but it wasn't. You know, it's a uh, it's a story. A friend of mine uh, and I were in uh, Valterans, which is a uh, ski, uh, like a, you know, it's in France. Okay, Slopes, uh, New like Year's a ski Eve, resort. Ski resort. New New Year's Eve, two thousand. What was it? Ten night, I believe, something like that. Okay, and uh, you know, we got very drunk. And the next day, January 1st, uh, my friend, he wanted to go to the bar again. I said, no, no, we're not going to get Howard again. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and what happened uh, is uh, that I asked the, bar, the bartender for something else without alcohol. And that's where she came out with a syrup. That, and in France, you have a lot of those syrups, you know. Okay. And syrup and she just you know mixed it with water and some ice and my friend mixed it obviously with a lot of vodka and he had <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I have my lemonade or syrup and uh, we we looked at the chefs hey we should do this uh, like 
like an adult version of this syrup because those syrups in Europe are more focused on the on the kids market. Okay. You know, uh, kids will drink syrup and they put water with it, and uh, so we said, let's make a adult version of uh, of uh, of this syrup, and um, that's how we started. You know, and that's incredible. Yeah, we'll I mean, do. you can't downplay that. Like two two bottles and. Uh, we kind of uh, made a label on the bottle, a black one and a white one. And we went out in a, in a very busy shopping street in Amsterdam. And we just asked people, if you had to choose one bottle, which would it be? And then okay. the black and the white one. You know, it's A-B a- testing in the purest form. Of yeah, yeah, exactly. The, <laughs> the original version. <laughs> the original version. And, uh, and, and people said, yeah, we like the white one, we like the white one. So we started with the white one. And then, you know, it's just making the first product, uh, talking to the lab and manufacturing partners. And you've had those in, in uh, the Netherlands as well. So we had our first cases and we decided to distribute it in cool bars in Amsterdam. So. There were a bunch of bars that used our syrup to make cocktails and just, you know, put it on the table. You could order your lemonade and you put it in the, in the glass with water and ice. It was great. Yeah. So, yeah you know, eventually uh, private equity got involved and they saw the brand. And, you know, later, 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 it, it sold to to Heineken, which was yeah. fun. It's, it's sold now in, I don't know, 900 stores in uh, in the Netherlands, I think, in Belgium and Luxembourg and you know, it's uh, it's out there, and it's very cool yeah. when you walk well, into the supermarket and you see your product on the shelf. It's it's, it's cool. It's rewarding. No kidding. Yeah, I mean, I, I've I've done a Heineken tour uh, back in my past corporate life. I was out uh, out there for for con- for a conference, and I'm like, I've I've got to go do this. I mean, I feel like instead of being in a conference hall all day, uh, take a little bit of a break. And um, it was it was a fascinating experience just to get the history of Heineken and uh, the see. It's, yeah, obviously a very big brand, and if you there's a lot of there's a museum there as well. Yeah, and the original brewery, which is around the corner from that museum. I don't know if you've been in the original, uh, okay, as well. Uh, but you know, he was like the the first guy that sent in models into bars that started asking for Heineken. You know, and oh, this, was, wow. this was new back in those days. Fatty, yeah, Fatty Heineken, and. Uh, Mr. Heineken, you know, started generating demand by people just asking for the product while the bars and the restaurants didn't have that product yet. And it's just, you know, generating classic, yeah, classic cool marketing. He started this. And then also in the logo of Heineken, really interesting story. He thought that beer should be for fun and has like this, you know, good vibe and good feeling about it. So what he did in the logo of Heineken, and you should look at, at uh, how it's written, but there's two E's in there. And those yeah. little E's are turned upside down, or turned a little bit. Okay. And that make them into smiley E's. Oh, so, wow. Yes. You should check out the logo now, and you see that it's not like the E is normal. No, it, it's a little bit tilted. So it's yeah, a yeah. smiley face. And, he, and, and Heineken is known for all these really interesting kind of early stage brand tricks that that drove the the Heineken to you know one of the biggest beer uh, brands in the world yeah and I think it's the most exported beer still in the world and then you know there's a lot of uh, international expansion and they were in Africa and in the Caribbean and one yeah. of the pioneers in in driving international beer I would say because beer was everywhere right if you look yeah. at the beer it's like it's been been around <laughs> everywhere yeah but real in, international driving international sales of beer that's that's really Heineken, and then after that the whole market uh, uh, developed for us. So, yeah. Well, yeah. I have to say, I mean, this is this is probably ten years ago since I've been on went for that tour. But ever since then, I mean, I've had Heineken at at home. I mean, it was really interesting to go through that experience and and then just see the brand. <laughs> from a different view. I mean, now you're adding to that as well. Yeah. So, I mean, I have to ask you, I mean, as someone who's, you know, grew up in, in Amsterdam, like there must've felt pretty significant to have your company, you know, acquired by Heineken. 
Well, again, it wasn't that big of a deal. Heineken is the big brand, right? And and there is the company is called Vrumona, I think, that has all the different brands. So if you look deeply into the the Heineken business model, it's also a real estate company that just buys bars and then, you know, the okay. patrons rent it from Heineken. And there's a whole real estate play there as well. Yeah. And they also equip all these uh, bars with other brands, not just Heineken, but also, you know, the the sodas and, uh, and and I think also food and, you know, the equipment to have a kitchen and, and all that stuff. I think, right? This is like... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so there is just a very big business uh, being built around the brand Heineken, which is much more than just a beer. Sure. Yeah. But still, I mean, you're, you're a very modest human. I, mean, I hope you, well, you know, it's, it's something it's, to celebrate. I don't know, man. It's, I, I grew up in this Microsoft world where nothing is something until it hits a billion dollars in revenue. Yeah. <laughs> fair, fair. Well, it's a billion yeah. dollar business. Otherwise, it doesn't count. So, yeah. And it's well, not, a, it's not a, not a billion dollar business. Yeah, I was gonna say there's another chance then for that with uh, with spin. So, I uh, I'm curious, what were the questions that started this company with you and your partner? Like, what were the some of those like first? Pr- I've been doing a lot of study uh, on Elon Musk, and he's just famous for first principle kind of thinking and getting to the core of of a problem or or question and so forth. And so I'm curious. Like, what did those early day conversations look between you and 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 your partner? Well, it it was really around sustainability and why should we drink coffee from a pot from a from a capsule? You know, yeah. the the result that you get from a capsule system is uh, inferior to fresh coffee. That's how simple yeah. it is. And yeah, I've experienced that. <laughs> we had this this office uh, above another bar. There's a lot of bars in Amsterdam, so we were we had this office uh, above a bar, and we would walk down and have our espr- real espresso, you know, yeah. and real coffee from the bar. And then uh, you also had your uh, your espresso, or uh, we didn't have a curry machine. It's, Europe is mainly espresso, Nespresso. Yeah. And and it's just a big difference, and it's not that tasty. And then yeah. you also pollute the world. So when we ran into uh, Jan van Hattem, and uh, uh, you know he had a patent portfolio. This is an inventor, okay, uh, that worked at a very big uh, roasting and and coffee company in Europe, and uh, he was working on the R and D department, looking after new ways of brewing coffee. And yeah. um, he, he retired, 73 years old, I think, and he still had, had this patent portfolio that um, that was there. And, you know, Spin as a business acquired that patent oh. portfolio with the idea, okay, we can, we can build something out of this centrifuge coffee. And we didn't even know whether that was actually possible. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it, it, I think it took like, this is between me and you, Oh no! <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it, it took like it took four years where we we still thought: is this actually possible? Can we wow. actually make coffee using from fresh beans from the centrifuge? And it took a really long time to really figure it out. But um, you know, back to your original question, um, we just saw this opportunity. IoT was up up and coming. So at Microsoft, I read all these uh, IDC and Gartner reports about IoT, yeah. Internet of Things, connected devices. You'll have connected fridges. After your connected uh, uh, computer or your laptop and your phone, all things will be connected as well. And that was mm-hmm. a big promise. And I went to some conventions of Cisco that was really early stage already in IoT, and uh, they promised this uh, connected fridge that would automatically order order products produced for you. Yeah, and yeah. It's, st- it's still not out there, by the way. It's too complicated. But yeah. I, hey, but with coffee, you just have coffee beets, right? You just need to order coffee beans. It shouldn't be that hard because there's all these coffee roasters. And what was also coming up was these uh, small artisanal third wave coffee roasters. You know, the, the yeah. cool guys with uh, the man buns, the tattoos, and the aprons doing this cool <laughs> style of coffee. Yeah, yeah, dude. And they sell overs and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, and they sell their their bags of coffee in their store, but they were not online per se. So the idea was also to uh, develop this marketplace of local artisanal roasters, and then your machine would automatically order coffee beans from those from one of those roasters of your choice. Okay. And, 
Spotify also obviously came up in those days and they had playlists. So the idea was, oh, let's make a playlist, but then it that doesn't uh, play songs, but it orders coffee. And that's sometimes how I explain kind of the parallels with uh, spins. Like, okay, we're like a Sonos, but then we don't stream music, but we stream coffee and not from an artist, but from one of the connected roasters. So it's yeah. a place combined with the device. And then the device is making coffee using the centrifuge. And that's, you know, that's a very kind of, uh, <laughs> it is a very rich proposition because you have and a new way of making coffee and you have the marketplace and you have fresh beans. So there is so much yeah. in proposition that it can be overwhelming for a lot of investors. Like, well, what is what is exactly that you wanted to do? You want to make this yeah, marketplace? Yeah. Oh, you want to make a coffee maker and then centrifuge? That's new. So, you know, old danger, red flags, and yeah, difficult. Yeah, yeah. difficult. <laughs> but fortunately, we got into this uh, this accelerator program in Silicon Valley. That's when I, when we moved to uh, to the U.S. And then okay. also when we saw that there is a huge addressable market in the U.S. Because in Europe, you have Nespresso, but here's Keurig. One in three households have a Keurig machine. And um, it's wild. It's wild, and and that's a lot of bad coffee. Well, I, they, <laughs> I can say it, <laughs> but I, since I've been here, I haven't uh, heard anybody say, "Oh, it's such amazing coffee." I really no, love come it. On. No, not happening. <laughs> so, so we thought, okay, that's this is an opportunity, and and we also kind of, you know, Europeans drink espresso. Yeah, and uh, uh, over here it's all big servings, right? Big yeah. mugs and and like americanos. And the reason that it's called americano is also because. This is the story. The, the, GI, the GIs came to uh, to Italy uh, during the Second World War, and they drank these uh, very condensed and very strong espressos from yeah. the yeah. coffee maker. And uh, that was that was too much, so they watered it down, and that became the Americano. So if you were, oh, interesting, it is actually an espresso watered down, and that's also what our machine is doing. So yeah. it, it pours an espresso, and then it waters it down. Which is different from a normal coffee, which is uh, extracted coffee uh, with much more water. But this is actually yeah. espresso with water, which is different. Yeah, there's so there's so much I want to ask you about. One one, I mean, you said one thing uh, at the beginning of, of kind of explaining that story or how you got to where you're at, and it was something around the the effect of it that it took four years to even get still, and you're still kind of at that question: Is this even possible? So. I know you kind of talked about that quickly, but four years is a long time. I mean, I'd love to know during those four years, like how did you guys stay motivated to continue and what like what was working? Because there's a lot of people right. uh, that, that listen to the show as well that are entrepreneurs or that are, are working on some interesting things that are up against those real challenges, Yeah, which you, know, you faced obviously several times over and probably continue to face them. Yeah. No, I, I'll, I'll tell you. So... Um, we got into this accelerated program, Silicon Valley, and a lot of VCs told us, oh, this is actually a nice idea. We can see the sustainability angle. We can see the marketplace. We can see the hardware, which is all difficult and expensive. But show us product market fit. Show us that you can actually models, that there, yeah, that there are actually people that want this thing. And um, uh, the only way to do it uh, back then and still is, uh, th this was in a time when Kickstarter and Indiegogo were really at the height, right? It was 2015, yeah. 15, and Kickstarter came up, Indiegogo came up, where you, where you could just throw your idea out, and if people like it, they would uh, back you, and they would send, send a little money. And these, these uh, pre-war campaigns uh, was the way to prove product market fit. And we decided to also do a pre-order campaign, not mm -hmm. on Kickstarter and Indiegogo. We decided to drive our own traffic and, you know, uh, get our own customers. So uh, we started that process. And within, I think, 30 days after launch, the video went viral from the start. And after 30 days, we, uh, we had $4 million in revenue. And we're like, oh, wow. So this is actually something that people really want. Yeah. And then we went back to the VC and said, hey, this is our product market fit that you asked for. Can you now write the check? No, sorry. We need the product now. <laughs> so <laughs> that didn't really work either. But um, uh, uh, what we did have was the product market fit. And I think going back to your question, that drove us really to keep on going because we had all these customers that were interested in yeah. what we were doing. And we already, you know, uh, flipped the company from the Dutch holding BV to the Delaware C Corp, which was a requirement from the accelerator program. Uh, 
sure. you know, you needed to be uh, optimized for uh, venture capital and fundraising in the U.S. So we shut that whole thing up. And that's how uh, how uh, how we started. And we kept motivated because of the customers and they were super mm. interested and we got a lot of press and, you know, everybody stumbled all over us because, hey, there is something new happening in the coffee industry and 73% of the world drinks coffee. So this must be something very special. And it's coming from Silicon Valley where, you know, you have all these great inventions and everything is happening there. And you had all these other products that, that uh, were very successful uh, uh, on their own or not. Uh, turn out later yeah but, um, yeah okay. that, that, that's that. What really drove us to keep on going and 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 um you know when we when we did this and we had the video online it's still on youtube by the way so you can check it out oh uh, well we we couldn't just withdraw and say okay well that was it we just uh we were joking and we we had engineers and the patent portfolio and you know we had a 3D printed uh, 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 materials on a wooden board that would actually make coffee using the centrifuge. And it was okay. super loud. You know, we call it the Apache because it was so loud. And in this accelerated program, we had to move all the way in, in the back because all the developers that were coding, they couldn't focus because they, <laughs> this, this coffee was so loud. Yeah, we had to move all the way in the back. It was really funny. It's funny. It was. I mean, you've obviously come a long way because I. One of the one of the comments that, or one of the things I've noticed, one of the comments my wife actually um, has noted a couple times now, uh, is because I get up fairly early in the morning and I historically would brew, you know, I'd fire up the Nespresso machine and it's like, like if anyone's familiar, and, and it would just drive her nuts. She would hear that on the next level, and she's like, I haven't heard a thing with the spin machine and. I mean, it's grinding coffee as well. That's probably the loudest part of, of yeah. the machine, but everything else is is almost like near silent. Yeah, well, then, and that's the centrifuge, right? Because you hear it spinning, and that's like it depends what you make as well. So it is a yeah. little bit. We, we did decibel uh, measurements, and uh, we we how much noise it make it's making. And for an espresso, it's a little bit louder because we spin it faster. Uh, yeah, but grinding is actually the 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 loudest. Yeah. And uh, and this is a, a a little premium for you, Mark. We're coming out with a new and uh, an optimal oh. uh, that is even uh, quieter. So we okay. uh, redesigned the grinder, and therefore it, it's uh, it's uh, less noisy. But it's not noisy at all. I agree. And it's, yeah. again, the the reason it's the smallest full automatic coffee maker that you can get. Obviously, yeah. Nespresso machines can be smaller, but they, they don't have a grinder and they don't have a, a, a hopper all in the same machine. But yeah. that's great well, to hear that your uh, wife is, is, you know, still... Yeah, sleeping. well, I'll take that because she's still, uh, I guess I, if, if I haven't converted her now, it's not going to happen. She's not a uh, coffee connoisseur or drinker at all. She's a, a tea lady. Well, um, you, you have a tea action as well. Hot I did show her that. I did yeah. show her that. So no, no taste contamination. Very important. so that it's funny. She was like, "That was the first question. Is it coming out of the same? No, separate spot. I I should sign up as a sales rep. I'm telling you, I've got all the product features dialed in at this point. The is open. <laughs> exactly. Um, I do want to ask you about, and and we can generalize it a bit for for others listening. Uh, you use obviously specifics for for your experience, but just the idea around innovating in industries that haven't been innovated in, 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 in some cases, you know, a hundred years almost like outside, we talked about this before when we, we first met, um, outside of the capsules coming in, there really hasn't been much innovation in, in coffee, right. Which can be kind of daunting. It's also, you know, obviously an opportunity and exciting, but can be daunting in, 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 in the sense that, well, why isn't anyone else trying to do this, right? And like, are are we crazy for going down this route? Well, you know, and, and probably the other coffee uh, uh, business people and engineers will tell you, no, there's a lot, actually a lot of innovation, but doing something completely new on the brewer level, yeah, is is uh, yeah, uh, I mean. In the coffee industry, you have these these different waves, right? They say the first wave was defined by 
you know, coffee becoming this mass consumer product. And mm-hmm. Maxwell and Folgers really drove that with soluble coffee. That all of yeah. a sudden coffee was available for everybody. While uh, it was at some point uh, for the elite that got coffee from somewhere around the equator, uh, from mm. uh, Kenya, Tanzania, whatever, wherever, in, or South America, and it was an elite product. And that that changed with uh, soluble coffee. That was the first. Yeah. Then the second wave is defined as the green apron and the pot system. So the green apron and the Starbucks that really elevated the whole experience around coffee. And in, yeah. in the U.S., you had like gas station coffee with, uh, you know, bun and, uh, and, and, and just a jar, <laughs> jar that you pick up and drink. Uh, but Starbucks made this whole experience in the store. Yeah. And it was all this beautiful experience. And what I understand from starbucks and the people that i I met is like yeah that's how it started with howard shields going to italy discovering discovering the the beautiful uh way they they handle coffee and he didn't see that in the u.s so he brought it uh, with him and that's that's the start of starbucks and the green apron is obviously you know the the aprons that make your coffee the baristas different experience in, in uh in in retail and then the pot systems were really okay i want one push of a button one cup of coffee at home which mm-hmm. wasn't done before because you had to make one big jar of coffee. And, you know, I talked to one of the biggest coffee companies in the world, in Europe, and they said, yeah, our biggest customer is the sink. Uh, because you make the big pot of coffee, you drink two cups, and the rest goes into the sink. Yeah. So that, that the whole drive to this this uh, single-serve coffee making and one push of a button it started uh nespresso keurig and all those guys but uh the third wave is is considered okay now there is a feel for quality and and coffee really becoming a food thing Mm -hmm. Uh, like wine and and like uh, premium products in the food industry coffee is one of them that really elevates with the 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 roasters out there like intelligentsia blue bottle verve and and you know those guys really handle coffee in a different way also in retail and we're yeah. trying to do now with Spin to bring that premium quality also in your home. And, and you know, therefore, you need fresh beans and therefore you need uh, better brewing methods and therefore you need to innovate. And uh, that's what we try to do with Spin. Well, you're definitely well on your way. I mean, it's uh, like I said, I mean, uh, this isn't uh, I'm not trying to make this a, a big advertisement. This is just real. I mean, <laughs> it's I, I enjoy Two cups of coffee per day. It's the morning ritual for me. And I, I definitely want to, that's my next question is to see what you do in the morning. But for, for me, it's, it's starting off and being appreciative and grateful for just a good quality cup of coffee. And this machine and what you guys have created, it's in the team is, it's next level in, in that sense. Thank you. Uh, and I'm, I, like, it's fairly new for me. I mean, I obviously have not experimented with. Uh, all of the different options and whatnot, but that that in itself is exciting. It's push as a consumer, it's pushing me to to try different brews and different you know uh, recipes and stuff like that. And it makes me want to also experience more of the marketplace and other roasters. And right. so it's just a really nice. I feel like there's a sense of connection and community with just this coffee industry, yeah. especially supporting you know local roasters. Yeah. And 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 that's what that was always the idea to give back to the local community, and and not rely on the big corporates that just drive your your coffee habits with uh, a mediocre product, but go yeah. with uh, with the quality guys. And that's all local. You know, it's like it's like your local farmers market. Why is the why is the produce better because it's small batches? It's like, you know, it's it's not made for mass consumerism. And there's nothing yeah. wrong with mass consumerism, but you know, in the end, the quality is very hard to kind of maintain in, yeah, in this um, for sure. mass environments. So let's talk about your morning. You don't drink coffee, right? <laughs> 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 Can you imagine? That would be too long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what's, what, yeah. What are the, what are the, uh, I mean, just to give you a little bit of content, I mean, you, you probably picked this up, obviously, given the, the topic of the show, but for me, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in the audience of the, uh, of, of the show is, really just uncovering not necessarily a recipe of like you need to do this do that to to start the day you know feeling good and motivated it's more so what works for you so that then others and myself included be like i never thought about that like i can integrate that into my flow yeah. um, because you know the morning typically is is that time where 
Our minds are the most still. Life hasn't typically started. We're not distracted right away if we choose not to be. Um, and it just gives us the best chance to set up with a, you know, a healthy prime mind. Right. Well, you know, and then that's where, you know, that's true. You have a choice, right? What you do when you wake up, not immediately grab for that phone. Yeah. I try to at least open my eyes and kind of smile. Start with mm. a smile in the morning. Oh, I like that. And I live in the Santa Monica Mountains here. In okay. California. So I, I walk out and I look into nature. And yeah. I want to see the mountains and I, you know, I kind of take the time to take the environment in and kind of breathe and yeah. smile and, you know, realize and be grateful that we're, that we're above ground. And then, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a coffee. That's yeah. the, what's, to, what's your brew of choice. What's the, uh, what's the go-to? It really depends. It really does. It's hot. Uh, yeah. but, you know, most of the time just an espresso or a normal big, big cup of coffee. Yeah, uh, yeah. Then by then, I already opened my phone, and we're in the flow of uh, of, of the, the crazy of the day. Sure, the emails and and all the notifications. And I wish you know it's a blessing and a curse. This thing, you know, there's so much that you can do, but there's also you know it's so much uh, distraction, and there's so much anxiety happening, and it's like the whole world is at your fingertips, and you just look into the screen and. You have like a stream of the whole world <laughs> going yeah, yeah. into your brain, so you got to be you got to be a little bit uh, selective and uh, careful with it. Yeah. Well, what so what else what else helps you then balance? I guess that consumption versus creation and and just time to still your mind. Well, you know, I, so sometimes I take a we call it a bear walk. So I have a, a seven months or, or a son. Okay. And, uh, uh, you know, I take him in this uh, strapper and we walk for yep. 40 minutes to an hour. And we're just uh, here in, in, the, in the mountains. So that's, I start sometimes with a hike, I would say two or three times a week. Okay. And um, I kind of leave the laptop closed, leave your phone down, and then start, start the day. You know? But yeah. if I look into it, uh, there were times that I, the first thing in the morning, I would do a, a, a run, like a super active run for sure. an hour. With no food, trying to you know yeah. lose lose weight and uh, get get ripped, and uh, I don't know if that was uh, much better either. You know, if you look at look at it from a historical point of view, what were the both the best times? And I think waking up, opening your eyes, and just uh, smiling is a, is a good start. Well, it's the basics, and it's those are like we can all do that. I mean, there's no excuse. We can all wake up and choose to smile and just the act of smiling. I mean, there's, there's good science to short the show that that actually starts triggering, you know, some good chemicals in the brain, uh, yeah. which we could all use more of and any, anything related to nature. Caffeine, then you're all of a sudden at a, uh, yeah, you're, su you're a superhuman. <laughs> yeah. You're yeah. superhuman. Yeah. Smiling coffee. Totally. Yeah. So it's, and, and the other thing too, like the basics and, and what's simple, uh, you, you stay consistent with that. Just, you know, it's easier to be, um, you know, consistent with those kind of practices versus if for some reason, you know, there's a, there's a motivation behind running, but it's just like not your thing. There's, you know, it's, there's all many other things that you can do, but I think it's, it's, it's so important that we figure out what works for us and most importantly, start small and do things that you can, you know, you can develop habits towards. I yeah. love your, I love your setup. Yeah. And then, and, you know, this is more your territory. Obviously you, you've heard them all and people are looking for this key and the best, uh, the best way to do it. And your, your morning routine, what is it? You know, it's like, I, there, probably there is no key and whatever works for you. Yeah. And yeah. more, uh, some people cannot stand coffee in the morning and they, they cannot stand it at all or whatever, whatever works for you. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I didn't know well, the stat, but 73% of people, so, <laughs> right? So we, know, we know that people drink coffee in the morning, for sure. Yeah. We have stats and we see the data and it's, it's an IoT device. So we see exactly what, uh, what the real morning routine is for people. And yeah. uh, coffee is definitely a big part of it. Just, to, you know, the number one reason that people drink coffee is still caffeine, right? It's sure. Like, you want that kick and jolt in the morning and 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 uh, get it started. Some people don't even 
they cannot function is what they say if they didn't have their coffee. Well, yeah. Well, and that, I mean, that might be a bit, uh, potentially a bit unhealthy. However, there is a whole other group that I have heard several times where, because you're probably seeing this as well, I'm sure through your data that people are just in general trying to, I guess, somewhat moderate their, their caffeine intake. Um, and myself included, I used to have more than two cups of coffee per day, but I feel good with two. And the thing that I want to bring up, or, and, and this resonates with me as well, and I've heard this over and over again, is that it's, it's the, it's the ritual of, of the coffee in the morning of like yeah. the start. There's a caffeine, of course. I mean, that for sure has an impact, but just at, for me, I mean, just even just the, the fresh beans and smelling the coffee and while it's brewing for me, I usually have some sort of book near the coffee machine that I know if I read a page out of that, my mind's going to be in a positive state. And it's just that like it sets the tone, it starts the day. And by the way, in your app, so I don't know if you use the machine on the machine. I do. I, well, I use both, but I use the app the most. So we just started, you know, and this might be nice. We should talk about this offline. So uh, uh, where we give during the brewing process, it takes you like uh, 50 seconds or a minute, right? We give you back some information to start yeah. with. And uh, yeah. we actually implemented this in the app. So you should, should take a look when you make the next serving. We have a little line there. And uh, we have some information that people can uh, just consume, and, you know, have, uh, have yeah. a quote or whatever in the morning. Well, I, I have noticed that actually, and I've been, I've been liking them as well because they're, I mean, cool. there are tips in there that uh, I didn't know, obviously. And I think that that's probably the reason for those. But I'm biased, of course, that there's a beautiful opportunity to have the question of the day yeah. or, you know, like almost like a little mantra or tension, intention for the day. You know why that is in there, by the way, because we we spoke the last time. That's really why, yeah. That's why I put it in there. No joke. Because now, now I remember that you told me about your app, and and that you had like ninety million followers or ninety million downloads with this uh, tip of the day, right? And that's awesome. Well, after this, I talked to my dev team and said, "Hey guys, let's uh, let's let's add that to uh, to that moment when people click." Yeah. Yeah, that's right. See, where where were you when we were running the app? Because if 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 we hadn't made that request for our dev team, it just wouldn't have had. There would have been so many bugs. Well, yeah. You well, know, we needed a dialed in dev team like like what you have. Hundred percent. But you know, our we have a stellar dev team, so these yeah, guys, of course, and they just you know do it. Yeah, and that's that's really important in life as well. So you have these ideas, but you also have to do it and execute, right? Of course, where the real difference comes comes in in the end. Of course. Yeah. Uh, last question, or just back to mental fitness. I mean, a question around, if you think about when you're faced with those moments, either per personally or professionally, where let's just say life and business explode for a minute, you know, it's just that high pressure, high situations, like you're in the spin machine being spun around, let's just say, um, what, what helps you in those moments? Like what, do you have any go-to practices or rituals or, or even back from your psychology training? Is there, is there anything that works for you to pull you out or pause and zoom out of those, those high pressure moments? Well, you know, to, indeed to zoom out and kind of see, Hey, this is all in the end, it's all business. And in the end, it's all, uh, not that relevant for, it's not a life and death situation here. So mm. zooming out well, easier said than done. I mean, <laughs> yeah, for sure. But you have to kind of learn and, and train yourself to be able to let it go and, and zoom out and not take everything, you know, uh, to take it light, you know? Yeah. Light. Life's too, too short to take everything, yeah. take everything with a grain of salt. And um, so how do you do that? What, what, what helps you pause that so you don't, you don't flip into survival mode? Uh, well, you know, to stay in survival mode. <laughs> continuous survival mode uh, I, I don't know how you do it I, I mean uh, just to be able to let things go and 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 not not be too anal about everything and kind of you know yeah let it go okay like, do you do any kind of uh do you journal at all or do any meditation or i imagine maybe your hikes are probably moments where you're training your mind to see the details, be more present, and then that probably helps in those moments as well? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Well, it's also a process, right? It, it, 
that you shouldn't have asked me this uh, when I was twenty because <laughs> there was a different. You you would have a different a uh, different response, of course. So it's yeah. all where are you in your own development and 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 um, you know what are your expectations and how how uh, much do you want it and yeah. it's it's it all plays a role. So there's not like one answer that I can say. Oh, this is very simple and this is how you zoom out. You just do this X Y Z and yeah. yeah. Oh. It's like for everybody has their own kind of uh, recipe for that. And yeah, in the end, um, I think it's not a life and death situation. So take it easy. Yeah. Just a perspective shift. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, what are you excited about in terms of what's coming up next and, and what, you know, the innovation that, that uh, you're putting out into this world? What's, what's got you smiling in the morning? Right. Well, life, life in general, but uh, it is it is cool and 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 great to see uh, iterations of uh, the product what we're having right now, right? So we did user surveys, we gathered a lot of information what people did and didn't like, and we just implemented into 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 the next generation of the device, and that's how yeah. our development should go, uh, you know, to really tailor tailor it and make something that people want. And, yeah. um, and not ignore uh, the small nitty-gritty details because that's where the devil is in the detail. And that's where you really make a difference in the detail. Because a coffee maker is just a coffee maker, right? And yet, in the end, why are you so excited about it? Because there's a lot of experience around that box. I mean, coffee yeah. makers were around 10 years ago, but they were not powered by an app that tells you a little tip in the morning or mm-hmm. they say, oh, I want to have some more coffee or more water in there. And I see this, uh, you know, community of roasters that is out there. This is all the experience around the box. And yeah. I think that's the most important uh, uh, kind of shift and change in uh, product development nowadays is that there everybody has this this uh, phone in, in their pocket and you can just empower people in a completely different way around that box. And the best example is Apple himself, of course. You know, mm-hmm. they changed because I've, I've been at Microsoft and it was just it was just a computer, remember? And then it, it turned out that it was much more than a computer and, and it became a whole lifestyle. Yeah. And, and uh, that is obviously has to do with uh, marketing experience around that box and also the software in the box that really elevates uh, everything uh, for the user. And that's why people choose products nowadays, I think. Well, but that's, so what really gets me excited is, is this, this element of quality and helping and, and inviting people into your, to your point, like into the box and into that experience that my mind just goes, I'd love to be a cool experiment to run, but my mind goes to, if you can help people slow down and appreciate the quality coming out of a machine in, in a ritual that 73% of the world uh, are doing or is doing, then just just by that you're already slowing people down to see the detail, like smell the coffee, experiment, play with different things. Where we're in every other aspect of our lives, it's just autopilot for the most part, and you don't have to think about anything, and it's just convenience and this and that. And this to me helps people just come off of that track. Because it's a really interesting thing. Most people see successful um, thinkers and whatnot and want to get to those places and have those successes, but just really aren't willing to do what those top 10% of people are doing. This is a way, I think, to see a whole other perspective. And I think there's a bigger play here than, I mean, I know on on your side, there's a very specific mission around uh, the coffee experience, but I think it's doing even more. Well, you know, innovation and Growth in general is a very uh, complicated and interesting thing. You know, why yeah. the, the cars that we drove ten years ago, and the car that you get in nowadays, why is there such a big difference? You know, why couldn't yeah. you make the car that we're driving now ten years ago? How is that possible? Yeah. And it's yeah. that's all learning and iterating, and you know, having more time for details. And in the end, the element of time. That makes, you know, the 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 room for those improvements and mm. those details, and you know, the, the 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 better stuff that is coming out. Yeah, it's 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 mind blowing why that is happening. 
Well, why is it not, you know, is it never stopping? No, apparently not. Just no. you're going. During our yeah. lifetime, it will just improve. Everything is, at least for my, in, me in my lifetime, you know, everything around me has improved. Yeah. Yeah, well, for sure. Some macroeconomical things might not have been, but, you know, in general, things are all just keep, they keep on growing and, and getting better. Yeah. Yeah. And how is it possible? How? Because people are constantly, you know, improving, innovating, They're asking questions, doing, yeah, asking questions, looking at, oh, is this really the way we should do this? Or can it be, can we do it a little bit different or better? Yeah. And if you get into the track logo, everything is already okay. Yeah, and we sit back and this is it. Yeah, that, okay. Then there's a new generation that will come, and the new generation will will drive those improvements and drive the next uh, the next uh, uh, shift. You know, yeah, it's very interesting for sure. For example, what can you make better out of out of, out of a coffee maker? What is the coffee maker in in twenty years? What is that going to be the thing? Huh? How well, I hope I hope you and the team are, are around asking those questions because well, the beauty uh, is that with centrifugal force coffee brewing, you don't need gravity, so the machine will also work on Mars and on the. There moon. we go. Ready? <laughs> You've got the expansion plan already. I like it. <laughs> well, this was fun. I mean, this is definitely uh, a couple topics near and dear to my heart and mine. So uh, I, for one, really enjoyed this and. Yeah, just leave energized and excited about um, just this innovation mindset and growth and, uh, you know, leaving feeling like, okay, let's ask questions, let's push and let's uh, see what's possible and, and just follow that thread. And you, you never know what's going to come out of that. And Well, it's going to uh, be off the beaten path for sure. Because, if, yeah. you know, it's, it's going to be something different and new. But otherwise, it's going to be the same, right? That's yeah. what it is. Totally. Any final words for for the listeners? What can we what can we get excited about? What's coming coming down the the pipe for spin? Well, you know the 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 the, the, <laughs> the future holds uh, all those uh, those answers, obviously. And uh, we're working on a bunch of things. Uh, there, a lot of things might change, uh, but uh, we're <laughs> on the path of uh, making better coffee. And uh, thanks, Mark, for the invitation. Really enjoyed to talk to you. And um, yeah, keep on keep on brewing, you know. Keep uh, yeah. enjoying the coffee and send us send us tips and and likes and uh, whatever whatever input you have is uh, is addressed and appreciated. For sure, thank you. Mm-hmm.